Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Chris and Abby back in the studio. Uh, they've removed yeah. a few of the layers of clothing from this Back uh, in shorts, week. both of us. So, <laughs> Wow. I saw uh, on Facebook someone said that about you. <laughs> Did, that's that's was, why I was. You yeah. finally didn't have to wear shorts one day. Well, yeah. So tell me, uh, how slow was the real estate business uh, because of the weather? That had to affect it. I wish it. No, I was looking for a couple hooky days too, and we didn't get them. Um, I had uh, the the one. What was it? Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday? Whatever the cold, cold one was. Wednesday. We uh, kind of hung around the office, but I've been moving around all week. Did you show houses? It well, I yeah, and I was really? doing a lot of. You know what's really cool is new construction bids out of nowhere. We were really actually kind of being, you know, having concerns for what's happening in the market and whatever. But this last week, my goodness, it's been great. It's um, people coming out and wanting to say, okay, let's figure this out. What does the, you know, new year look like? How fast can we build or what kind of timeline are we going to be dealing with? You know, what is our existing house really worth in today's market? Because we are seeing a turn, Denny. We're, we're starting to see where, at least in my opinion, the North Metro, I'm seeing where the market's going to probably lay a little flatter this year. It looks like we're we're not going to go down, I don't think. I mean, knock on wood, but I mean, I think that we're going to see a one, two, three percent appreciation, not five or six or seven. And so, what's going to happen is it's going to feel like we're going back into what they call a buyer's market mm-hmm. because of the activity levels and the, the you're not, you know, if you listed last year for three hundred, you're not, you know, going up, you know, to three fifteen or three twenty this year. You'll probably still sell for three hundred, three hundred five. And um, but anyway, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I've been dealing with in January here some of. Uh, those price segments under three hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and I mean every time we're in multiple offers, yeah. or we're trying to beat it before it gets to multiple offers, right? And so everything's going for full price or more. Um, so, and I think that's that's also a product of not having enough stuff on the market. Well, in so that, in that price on, range, see, and this is what we keep going back to is that there's for the amount of people buying houses and whatever there's there is a almost a uh, it still feels like a seller's market per se in some price points. But then yet in others, it's a buyer's market again, where it's kind of a, we were kind of seeing just depending on where you're shopping, you know, it, it really has been affected. So Yeah, no, that's for sure. We're going to um, today do a what would you do 
segment. Oh boy! Yeah, well, I'm gonna hear this. I mean, and, yay! Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I'm the only one that knows about what their questions are. Okay. So uh, Andy's gonna be surprised, but I think you know, and we get a lot of comments on that. Yeah, get about, the liquor uh, cabinet out. We. Uh... <laughs> but you know, the, it's different agents react differently to different things, and uh, I think we agree on a lot of things. But there might be uh, different angles that we take in certain situations that um, you know that that could benefit. Yeah. You know, people. So, all right, hey, we're gonna kind of play around with that. But now I gotta find. Now I gotta find the questions. Jeez. I got a new. I got a new phone, like, you guys. Background music. What would you do if you had a new phone and couldn't find? <laughs> exactly. To talk about. I got the. I got the Google. I got the Google Pixel phone. So, anyway, it's good. All right. So, Mr. Prasky, this is going to both of us. If if we had a listing that was in a hot market, and it's kind of playing off what we we're just talking about. But if we had a listing that was in a hot market. And we got a full price offer on the first day. What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what. In my past experience, this is my personal from a realtor from a realtor's perspective. Yep. I treat every offer like it's my first and my last because you never know if there's another one coming. And a lot of times, historically, the first offer is your best offer. Um, and because those people are aggressive, they're coming after. As long as the offer is a fair offer, um, in the opinion of the seller who I'm representing in this situation. As long as we feel it's a fair offer, meets our terms, of course we'd work with it. I, I don't. I, I'd take the one in the hand instead of the two in the you know the potential. You know what I mean? The one in, yeah. the, one in the hand. And what what we fight a lot is with a seller on that is that like, well, hey, that's just the first. That's the first person that showed it. They wrote a, a full price offer, but what about the other? And more likely, we have other showings set up. Mm-hmm. And there's so there might be ten the next day. So let me ask you a quick question. Reverse back into. Yeah, hey, I'm asking the questions. <laughs> Wait, okay. I got Google Pixel too. No, uh, the if you <laughs> actually I have some kind of. Apple. No, you don't. I have an Apple thing, <laughs> okay. but um, the so when it comes back to think about going fishing, okay, and so you've put all the odds in your favor. You've got the right bait. You've got the right everything, and you make a cast and you catch a fish, and it's it's you know it's a keeper. Do you, you keep it, it or do you throw it back thinking you're going to keep catching fish all day right. and then you don't catch another fish? Right. And I'm telling you, sometimes your timing and your marketing, your agent sets you up for success. You put it all out there and that one buyer that was in that pond came swimming over and took your your uh, your bait. And, and now you have, uh, you know, a, a buyer that's in, in the boat. <laughs> but anyway, my yeah. point is, is that you may cast again and again and again and again and not see anything else come in. And so respect I think is a big thing there. So if the offer comes in respectful and you're respectful of their time, you respond quickly. I think the biggest um, fallacy we have is that, you know, a, a new listing will sit and they don't want to respond in the, the hopes that another offer would come in while they're waiting to, res, quote, respond to it. Um, I say, no, I would take it and run. I would I'd respond promptly, professionally, get back to them with what I'm really looking for for my client. And uh, Well, you hit it right on the nose there. So some people might come in and give you that full price offer. But maybe that closing date doesn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe hey, they want some more personal property than you thought, and you can constru- or the inspection period super long. I mean, at that point, you have a lot of leverage going back to that client and said, "Hey, you know what? We will accept it, mm-hmm. but here's what you need to be able to do." And yeah. kind of like make the perfect scenario all around. Right. Go. I mean, there's probably ten to fifteen different items in a purchase agreement that I review that can affect the seller or the buyer. And it's it. A lot of us just focus on price, and so I think that the the biggest thing is protecting the client's best interests, whatever those interests have been conveyed to us for them, and then making sure it's represented in the offer we accept. Yeah, I think the other thing that you have to look at too is you got to put yourself in that buyer's position. 
and think about what they're thinking. So they went to the house. They're super excited about it. They wrote the offer right away. More than likely, they've seen many other ones, mm-hmm. and they just don't want to get into that situation. And now all of a sudden you say, you know what, we're going to wait until tomorrow, or we're going to wait until you know the following day, and then we'll take offers. Well, that interest starts waning. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a we had a situation just like that, and where the seller decided that, hey, you know what, there are so many showings that were going to happen, we're not going to look at any offers until this time. Well, sure. From the time there's two offers the very first day, those two offers ended up dropping out before we actually got to the other ones. Now there was four total, but it got down to two. So so put let's flip that question around, and now you're the agent that's writing that first offer right away, quickly. You've run over there. You've got the pre-approval. You've made a great valid, you know, valid uh, effort to present a great offer. How do you then sell that, you know, uh, to the listing agent, right, and, and, and the get sellers? them to accept it? I mean, what what is your strategy there? Yeah, well, I I think it depends on the strength of my client. Number one, mm-hmm. um, and you know, if we have something that's favorable financing wise, mm-hmm. you know, that's in that market. So let's just say we just had this. We had a twenty percent down conventional financing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that we weren't asking for closing costs to be able to. So cutting off um, potential problems right. and saying that, you know what, we sold a few houses in our day and we, we prepare our, our clients, you know, that, you know, it's not a new house. It's a 1978 mm-hmm. split entry, you know, and try to prepare them for things that are wrong. And that's why you're probably getting it at that price. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people go into um, the inspection and feel like, oh, my gosh, I just beat out four people. I went 5,000 over. I'm going to get that 5000 back during the inspection period. Well, no doubt about it. So I think that when we both have written offers in the past representing the buyers, we come in and we'll say like things. I like to ask questions of the selling agent first. Like what are they looking for for a um, closing date, possession closing date. date. Yeah, for sure. And then what are they? Uh, sorry, I was going to make a call there for you. Um, the, um, what, do, what do you want for the closing date, possession date, personal items that they do not want included in the MLS or that they do not want in your offer. So there's a lot of ways that if somebody comes in there and says, well, geez, we don't even want these appliances, and now that seller says, well, geez, we can take those appliances and go to our next house, that might be an advantage for you. Um, having your lender calling that agent specifically and saying, hey, yes, we have a solid buyer here that presented this fast offer. It's a solid buyer. They're good, and here's why. You know, we validated everything. All of the checks, you know, or the boxes are checked, and, and this is a great buyer and then, you know, lastly, of course, is, is on the price, presenting a few of the comps and having it where you say, hey, our net is higher on this offer because compared to what's available in the neighborhood, we're okay with this. And then I'd say lastly with the inspection, I like to come in there and say, listen, we're, we've seen the condition of the property and we're not going to hand you one of these agents. It drives me crazy. By the way, if you're listening, please never do this to us. The honeydew list of the 50 things that they want. Uh, I need this uh, squeaky door oiled. I need, and, and see, that's not, in my opinion, what a home inspection is for. I know you have to do whatever your client says. I can see the text already coming in. But if your client asks for it, you have to put it in there. But my point is to coach your, your, your clients to make your offer reflective of you oiling it. Because you, you use an inspection to really uncover the things that are not you know, easy to, or visually sitting there in front of your face, you know? I know we got to go to break, but we'll, we'll hit on that inspection too. Why it's so advantageous to the buyer. All right. Good deal. We'll uh, take this bit of a break here. I hope you join us every week here on CCO radio for the real estate show around every Saturday and the 10 o'clock hour. We'll take this break. Be right back with more real estate talk here on news talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of the real estate show here on news talk 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy in studio. It's uh 
question and answer Q&A, but explain it for those that just joined us a little bit late. What are you guys doing? How, how are you going to do a what would you do What segment. would you do yeah, segment? So what would you do Hopefully if? we're going to disagree here on some stuff. Yeah. We're kind of together, but we were going, um, and Andy was talking about the honeydew list on the inspection um, addendum when a buyer brings that, and uh, he said not to do that. Well, th- that's my strategy, right. you know, that I coach my clients that way. Some other clients will use that as a, hey, there's 75 things on this list, and we'll settle with you for a $12,000 discount instead of having you do all these things. Right. It's negoti- it, it all comes back to negotiating. Right. But I think, in, in like we were talking about, is that a lot of people use that, hey, let's just get the deal, mm-hmm. get the deal, and then we'll renegotiate during the inspection period. Because that inspection period, whether it's 7 or 10 days, mm-hmm. it's so pro-buyer. At this right. point, because a buyer could come back after five days and say, you know what, I basically, you got to replace the roof. Why don't you do the siding and take the brick while you're at it? Mm-hmm. And then later on say, okay, I'm just kidding. I, I don't, I don't want anything and still be able to get the house. Yeah. And where it used to be that if we put something in writing, the seller could reject it and we'd be on our way, mm-hmm. you know, but not so much anymore. So I think, sure. you know, for people that get tied into these multiple offer situations, get that inspection period down. I think anytime you put the inspection yeah. period out, they'll just schedule it later. Can, can That's I all they do. Plead to the forms committee here for a second and say go back to the old inspection form because days. agents don't yeah. understand the form and they use it wrong. They put on there ten days to get their home inspection and everything done. That's ten days to negotiate back and forth, you guys. That's not ten days for the one side to hog it and then up to the last second, then hand you the inspection report with one hour left in the the window, and that's right. the problem we see all the time. Is that's that, negotiating too. I understand I mean, that, but so that. I, I will always counter saying that you have five days, six days, or whatever to get your inspection done with results back to us. We will. Here's the the criteria we want to follow because if you don't set that expectation, I'm telling you, there's some agents that are new to the business. Totally. They don't understand necessarily, or even some of the agents that just don't care, and they will put the ten days. They do the inspection on the eighth day. They don't get you till the midnight on the 10th day and then uh it, it's yeah it's, it's and, and what fair. happens to that house your, your listing is that now it's it's it, it gets old and then if if you have someone that's trying to renegotiate and all of a sudden it falls apart mm-hmm. at the end because mm-hmm. they're trying to negotiate and trying to get something now all of a sudden now we're going back on the market 10 days later yeah after we've done it and someone didn't want it so what you're saying is which is kind of a unique strategy is to counter back on the inspection addendum is that when somebody writes that offer quickly, like we've talked about, and then you counter back and say, listen, because we're in demand right now, we're going to keep the market active for sale, or we want you guys to get this done within four days or whatever, and then you know, you're know you moving quicker to hey, preserve what, your listing. Yeah, when I'm on the other side and I'm coming to your listing, Andy, mm-hmm. I'm putting that all together and telling people, hey, I've got the inspector set up for 1 o'clock on Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know, and that we're, if, if I need that. And it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, we don't even know when these other people are going to do it. Right. They've already got the inspection set up for Tuesday at 1 o'clock. There, there's something to be said for that. When somebody, when you present an offer and then the customer says that, geez, an inspector's already trying to book an inspection on my property through the auto notification system we have, it, it, it's all great strategy, though. I think that it goes into being professional and having all your ducks in a row and making that seller feel confident in your early offer. Yeah. And what happens, too, is on this is that – and someone did it to me. Mm-hmm. That's where I kind of got it from. I mean, obviously, you do enough deals. You, you find different ways that people do it. And <laughs> someone did it to me, and here's what the really unique thing was, is that my seller asked over all the other stuff, you know, price and all that, they said, well, when's their inspection for? What day would they do their inspection? Mm-hmm. And it was that little thing that was different that separated them from, you know, everyone else that made them win. 
Right. I mean, yeah. because they were and, and more organized. And then you also feel, you know, that, hey, the agents kind of got control over this buyer as well. It's all part of the selling of the package, right? If you present it professionally, you respond quickly, you have all of your, your uh, meetings and all of your, um, as they say, contingencies lined up to be removed fastly and promptly. And, and you let them know. Like I said, I've even told people that, hey, listen, we're going in there to look for major defects. We're not going to pick on you. We, we are fair with the price. We're okay with this. We're just going to have somebody put another set of eyes on the inspection, and then we're ready to perform. What a great way to take it. Now, as a seller, I sit there and go, well, boy, I wonder if there's another offer coming that's better. A lot of times there's not. You know, a lot of times, like you said, days on market, even even a week or two weeks, sometimes to that that buying consumer thinks, what's wrong with it? Because they're used to getting bid out in one and two days. So The other thing is, from a listing agent standpoint, and this happens a lot, mm-hmm. is that they never talk to the buyer agent that's actually made the offer. I mean, that buyer agent might have said, hey, you know what? We've got an offer coming in. I just want to let you know. Yep. All right. But they don't ever talk about that. But that's a great time for the listing agent to be able to talk to that buyer's agent who's trying to get their client in yeah. and probably would give us a lot more information than we would normally get. Well, sure. So and by they, talking to them. Well, right. There's a lot of great agents that have bought my listings because I am more probably more of a listing agent than I obviously am a buyer's agent. And so we have tons of great agents. I was wondering what you were. <laughs> this is <laughs> amongst okay. the long list of talents. I one of them is listing agent, and they, no, but the idea there is that when there's a lot of great agents out there that do present themselves professionally, and I think you hit it on the head, Chris. Even if you don't have the team alliance as a real estate agent that has everybody lined up, the mortgage person, the um, the inspector, or whatever lined up the way that we just discussed it. But you're in good communications with the selling agent, and the selling agent is receptive to your, you know, questions and your aunt. It, it helps a lot because then I can call a seller and say, "Listen, we've got a great potential buyer coming in with an offer. They had a quick couple, quick, you know, questions for you because they want to make sure to have the offer written the way we would like to see it, and let's give them some answers. And then also, boom, you have an offer, and it's it's a win-win. So, um, but I do I do still see that happening out there. But there's a lot of price point challenges. So like you were talking earlier about under 300, you get under 300,000 and a lot of people throw themselves in, in my opinion, in, in hazards or harm's way by saying, well, I don't want to do an inspection or I won't do this. And then they, they write that offer. And I, as a listing agent, get scared of those offers because you're waiting for them. They're ticking time bombs, in my opinion. And when they close, I'm surprised, totally. you know, or I mean, coming back to you after the fact as well. I mean, I would want an inspection every time on my mm-hmm. house. But ultimately, you know, on everything that we're saying here, these are things that we would suggest and to help out. Ultimately, the the client is in charge. Yeah. And they're the ones that decide what you want to do and not do. You know, but it's it's our job to give them the information so right. they can make an informed decision. Well, but it's your expertise and it's your experience that are out there. That This is why I always say listing agents, it's going to be hard to replace you with an app. Because a lot of people say, oh, technology, technology. Technology can't do this. And when it comes right down to the fact that if, if you are doing the same things that somebody can do on Google, as I would say themselves, you're not in a position of value. Your experience, your guidance, your as a listing agent, you need to be able to provide this. And if you're not in a position where you can, your team leader or your broker can provide that information so that customer has that experience. But it's what I look at, too, is, you know, when you come right down to writing offers and the faster moving price points. I will want earnest money reflective of what they're going to be putting down. So, for an example, let's say you have an FHA buyer that's 3.5% down, and they're buying a $200,000 house, so they're putting seven or $8,000 down. Ask for a $3,500 non-refundable deposit. Everybody goes, oh, oh, my, no way, they'll never do it. But they didn't ask for an inspection. They didn't ask for this. There's, there's a couple of clauses there, FHA escape clause with the appraisal. appraisal. 
Then that home inspection that they didn't do, now they come back and say, oh, let's do a second showing. And what they're really doing is they're bringing their home inspector through there on the second showing when they say they're measuring drapes and for furniture, they're really potentially bringing through that, you know. So that experience that we've seen out there, those are examples of things that we've experienced in the past where the games are being played by agents to help their buyers get the deals. Have you had this when they want to go measure again and then all of a sudden the buy or the sellers, hey, I'm getting ready to move. So I'm putting stuff in boxes and now things are starting to be boxed up and it doesn't look brand new and, mm-hmm. and super awesome. And now they say, oh, boy, it's starting to get small. You know, and those those are those are problems. So that's another thing. Encourage at the inspection for them to get all the measurements they possibly can and take pictures, you know, to be able to so they can remember it uh, rather than keep setting up times to go. Well, over and to I the think house. that goes through a little bit of the psychology, you know, to end real quick before we head to the break. You know, the psychology of a buyer, too. They're second guessing themselves the whole way through and saying, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing? And they're looking for that, keeping their foot out the door until absolutely that door is shut. So sometimes letting that person through that house multiple times can be more of a problem than it can be an asset for the for the sellers. Well, I tell you what, let's uh, take our usual break right now, and we hope you join us. We have about another half hour or so of the show to go, so don't go away. More Real Estate Straight Ahead here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. If you just joined us, Chris and Andy, with uh, questions and answers. Yeah. Uh, what did you call it again? What would you do? What would you do if? Yeah, what would you do if? Let's hear more. We actually um, did uh, a version of this at our office. We Mm. do a roundtable on on Tuesdays. and uh, Everybody stayed awake the whole time? Well, we put scenarios and kind of say, hey, what would you do? And it's just a a good way in which to learn. I didn't talk the whole time. So Um, you should come to one of those. Hey, All right, here's Uh, another thing. Uh, What would you do when suggesting people to find the right realtor for them? Ooh, what would you tell people? Um, what would I do? Well, that's a great question. I think that what I would look for is first off, I would I would try to find somebody that's in the area that I'm interested in. That's a local expert because there's there's something to be said for when somebody knows the neighborhood, they know the restaurants, they know the local business providers. You know, if you need something done, they know the contractors. Um, the resource that they can bring to the table for the same commission, if you will, it, it's it's mind blowing, right? Um, then I'd probably interview a couple agents. I would, I wouldn't just go to the open house and meet the first person and then say, okay, you're out here. Let's just work together. But they could be a candidate for sure. You know, cause I like the aggressiveness of somebody that does an open house that's out there making business happen. So I actually do like a little more aggressive of a, of a representative that would go out there and get things done. And I also want somebody that's in the field, knowing what people are saying and talking about. So that's where I would start and then maybe back up after I met a few people with just doing the old online reviews. But I always trust my gut more than I trust the online reviews because online reviews are, I would say, 50% accurate half the time. You know? Well, I think there's got to be a, a a feeling that, hey, we can work together as well. Yes. You know, because some people you'll say, oh, my gosh, they're they're selling all the houses in this area. But I can't. I, I, couldn't, or something. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't stand talking to that person and uh, yeah. for that long and having to deal with them because I'll tell you what, you're – you're hanging out with that realtor for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in a in a perfect scenario, I mean, we're getting the house ready to go on the market. So say that's anywhere from two to four weeks. You know, we get on the market, we start marketing it. And let's just say we sell it within 30 days and then close within 60. I mean, all of a sudden we've got four months together, Yeah, you know, but I don't think you have to be like best friends with that agent either. I mean, it should be a, it's a business relationship. Yeah. I do a lot of business with, with friends, mm-hmm. but uh, they also know that, it's between them and I. Right. I mean, it's 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 funny. Sometimes they'll even go to my wife and say, um, 
hey, gosh, it was great. We just bought a house. And she goes, you did? Because I just don't, I just keep that totally separate. That must be nice for her. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, seriously. I mean, because that's, that's no one else's business. Yeah. It really isn't. I mean, if that person wants to go tell my wife, they certainly can. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, right. obviously, right. you know, if we're whatever, but. That's um, a different dynamic. But I think that, you know, kind of getting you back on course with, with, you know, how do you select that agent or where do you find them? I mean, Chris, do you have any online sources that people can go to instead of just getting out in the field? I mean, the apps are all out there. The You know, the one thing that I think that I struggle with is that, you know, looking at the different apps that are out there, because we ha- as agents are forced to pay for exposure. So we have to pay to be the one that pops up on Zillow. You have to pay to be the one that pops. You're not there because you're the best. You're the one. You're there because you paid the most. And so the, the person that keeps popping Depends. up. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, you, if you pop up on those each individual listings that you see, but you can go look up an agent in an area. But for example, with Zillow, if you're not a, a Zillow agent preferred where you pay, your face doesn't come up even with your own listings. It says you're the listing agent, though. It says your brokerage. It doesn't say you as an agent. Um, after, I'm Broker reciprocity. No, they they don't. So what happens is this: those th- there's something happening in this industry too, Danny, where it's like there's. There's um, those that are licensed as realtors, and so there's the National Association of Realty, Minnesota Association of Realtors, Minneapolis-St. Paul, and then they take what they call a vow of ethics, Chris, and I know you and I have talked about this before quite a bit. You take a vow of ethics where we, you know, basically give all of our um, fiduciary responsibilities to the client, you know? So, um, and what they mean by that is that their best interests are our best interests, there's a lot of new companies that are coming into town now. That I call them the new cowboys, right? They're these iBuyers that, well, we'll make you an offer. It's so easy. They're not realtors. They're not members of the National Association of Realty. They do not take the, the vow of ethics, you know, or the code of ethics and, and sign to it. So they're out there like the Wild West. If you say, geez, what's my house worth? And they'll tell you what they think it's worth, for an example. This is what drives me crazy about our business right now. And I think that locally – legislation should be stepping in because when they're conducting themselves as a real estate agent that doesn't take that same, we've self-policed as the national association of realtors, we've self-policed our industry for years to behave and take care of each other and, and basically, you know, provide a higher standard of, of doing business with the consumer and protect the consumer. And now there's a whole group of people that are licensed to do what we do that don't have to do that. And it's, it's, Confusing for the consumer. I'm actually surprised they haven't done any big exposés on this yet. You know, I just had an experience uh, with one of those companies, and uh, it, they uh, a client of ours went to them and said, "Hey, um, what can I get on this?" They, so they went on the computer, you know, and they shot them back kind of a price, and then mm-hmm. they they send out an actual um, kind of a I don't know an adjuster per se, inspector, mm-hmm. adjuster, mm-hmm. and kind of saying, "Hey, here's what we need to do based on this price that we offered you." So they never saw the house. But they based on a price on kind of what market conditions were, and uh, they came out, um, adjusted it probably like five hundred and fifty dollars to the negative. This person was able to negotiate a little more, mm-hmm. and for them it worked out. I mean, because they just didn't want to deal with any showings, they didn't want to do nothing, and they took that offer. They took. Uh, I mean, they got a yeah, hit. But, but you you've been there before too, where you, like I always say, you know the 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 uh, elderly person that has their house down the street. And they ask you, "Hey, Chris, what's my house worth? You know, I, I think it's worth eighty thousand. And you're like, "Well, actually, it's worth two fifty. Now, that person that says eighty thousand that doesn't have that ethical perspective on business may say, "You know what? You want eighty? Why don't I pay you ninety five and we'll close in fourteen days?" And that person, in my opinion, had equity stripped right out of their hands. It's rightfully theirs. They've earned it. It's you know what I'm saying. So here's what I would say: I, yeah, I might get, I might get busy offering this, yeah. but. 
Anybody that wants to look at all these iBuyers that are out there that they make offers and you want me to review it with you and tell you what your house is really worth, I'd be more than happy to do that for you. Because as a good neighbor, as a real estate agent that truly believes in our industry, I think it's the only right thing to do because I I understand convenience, Chris. I really do. Like you and I have talked about this where the – you can go to Costco and buy, you know, the big jumbo pack of Coca-Cola or Sam's Club or whatever place you choose. You bring it to the hotel. You can also buy a Coke down in the lobby and you pay $4 for the Coke in the lobby. Or you out of the mini fridge in the room, it's $9 for one Coke. I get that. Convenience is, is paid for. But when it comes to the point of where you're taking advantage of somebody that just doesn't know, that they don't know that they can buy the Coke downstairs for 4 bucks cheaper or that they could go, to, you know, that's what I'm saying. I just want to protect them. All right, tell you what, let's do. Let's take a, a quick break. We have more real estate show to come, so don't go away. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO, stay with us. And we're back with this portion of the real estate show here on 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy in the studio. We're kind of doing what would you do if or what would you do when. Uh, yeah. If you uh, had a client that uh, wanted to sell their house, but there needed to, some work to be done, mm-hmm. let's say forty grand, 40000 worth, Oh boy. What would you tell them to do, let's say, with the first ten thousand? Where should that be applied? Okay, so maybe if they only had really ten grand. Let's to do spend. that. And we think that yeah, you need forty to get it going. All right. Okay. What do you you want to start or you want me? Why don't you start? First of all, yeah. I mean, if it it depends what is part of that forty grand. I mean, if uh if it's horrible and say your driveway is all destroyed, you know, and that's four thousand of it. I mean, I would be paying the four thousand uh, to be able to do that because that's your first impression before mm-hmm. I even get in. Um, and then I would really go, I mean, deep clean and get stuff out of there. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, and then probably paint. I mean, that's all the money I'd have left over. So ten thousand, yeah. So what I would say is this: I would look at the things that you know, um, like just on the outside of the house. Like if you can put, like you said, a fresh coat of, like even if it's a bad driveway. I've done this in the past too. I know some of my agents that have bought for me have laughed at this. You know, the young kid that can't afford to put a new $10,000 driveway in. So they, they literally, even though it's bumpy and rough, they'll put the, the uh, you know, the whatever they steel call coat. that. Yeah, the steel yeah. coat on top of it. Done that. And it, it, even though it's bumpy, it, it looks clean. And people look past it. Kind of, a, a, okay. Yeah, I could pay for that later. Right. Yep. You, you make sure your garage door hangs straight. You make sure your front door looks right because everything opens properly. So I'd spend a couple dollars on making sure they're not squeaky. You know, this is cheap, you know, like low-level stuff. Then I would also look at the shrubbery. I'd look at the trees. I would have everything trimmed up so that everything looks nice and fresh. And I'd have everything around the house, the, the bushes trimmed down for a couple hundred bucks. He said forty thousand, not a hundred. No, I, no. I, I, I bet you I've talked right now. You're under you're under a thousand, two thousand dollars probably. I would say of what All I've right. said so far. Okay, okay. Then when you go inside, I think the big thing that a lot of people don't recognize is keeping the windows open, cleaning your windows, I think is a key thing, including the tops and the bottoms where the- Removing the screens. Well, and look at this last week, you guys. I mean, where all that, you know, that frost on everybody's windows was sitting down there, and now you want to get that out. Get those fans on those windows, clean that, dry that up, because it will turn to mildew. I always clean up my windows, and then if I have any money left, then I look at carpet, I look at paint, and then if I have any money left, I'd go to the kitchen countertops or something like that, but- Front That's door kind of is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, new light fixtures outside. Oh, yeah. Can change a look that it could draw your eye, eye to that if the siding's not as great. But um, you just kind of reminded me of something when you said about the ice on the windows. Um, we had we had one person that said they were 10 inches up, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of now it's a kind of a disclosure thing. You know, yeah. I mean, it was a crazy cold, but it's not a dumb thing in which to disclose that. Right. And then I also had two past clients. 
two current buyers mm. buying and a listing that we come coming on all had pipes burst. Jeez. Yeah. So five yeah. calls. I got five calls yesterday. Well, that's, you know, and then a lot of these, even, uh, you know, when you get out there and you look at these houses that have like living quarters above the garage and, you know, normally you get away with having the, the garage stay 50 degrees, you know, or 40 degrees because of the, just the cars. And I'm telling you, those that have those insulated and heated have saved a lot of pipes over the last couple of days here because a lot of people were having the ceilings where they have a bathroom above their garage. I've heard it time and time again now, more than once this week alone, and uh, where that'll burst, and then you don't realize it, and then you have a drip in your ceiling, and then the water, you know, it's a mess. So that's, that's yeah. what if you, what if you had, what if you, okay, so let's change the scenario on Denny. So, you know, out of the 40,000 these be done, the first 10,000, well, what would you do if you had a full 40,000 to put into a house that needed it? Um, where would you spend I, mo- majority of that money? I would concentrate on the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to, and, and matching up flooring. I think that's a big thing. And, uh, and, and people don't do that. You know, you go in and, yep. oh, there's tile here. Oh, there's some wood here. Yep. Here's carpet. Oh, there's three different rooms. They all have different carpet. Right. I mean, when you do that, you, you make your house look real small. Yeah. If you have the same flooring, I mean, for the most part, going through. And that's if you have three bedrooms upstairs and it's a hallway. You know, going into all those bedrooms, it's the same. Yeah. You know. Yep. What but about then, decking and stuff like that, too? Because I, what I think a lot of people forget about is, like, those decks. And then they just kind of run out of money and they don't want to fix them. Because a deck is a you know ten to fifteen thousand dollar problem if you have a contractor replace it. Yeah. So do you redeck your deck outside, or do you leave it alone, or do you leave an allowance, or what? What are your thoughts on that? It's kind of interesting. I talk. It's now it's obviously the winter. I have a deck that I have um, listed that has some peeling paint on it, mm-hmm. but it's in the winter. You can't get it done, but it's covered up. Yep. So you disclose it, let them know. But seeing it and reading it are two different things. You know, hey, we're just going to have to redo that deck. But if they see it, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know. Well, and it's amazing what, Danny, a good power cleaning, you know, with a power washer. You know, you go out there. Now, being careful that you don't blow your deck apart. I mean, you know, obviously know what you're doing. But, I mean, a lot of just a a quick, you know, scrape of the wood there will uh, reveal the undercoat. And it looks fresh and, and nice. And then you replace the ones that are rotten obviously for safety concerns, and then you really don't have much of a disclosure issue. I listen to Denny all the time, and I remember him talking <laughs> about how he had to sand his whole deck. And, oh, yeah? Yeah, and it, that took a long time. So you're the one that listens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he, you're the one that writes all the complaint letters. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I, that my is mom and dad cool. do too. Us, so. well, well, you know, let me ask you something here before we run out of time. If this person, the, the client, mm-hmm. um, forget the, the, the kitchen, which is a good point. What if they had a bathroom or two that has not been updated What's the minimum you can do? Paint, I presume. Yeah. I mean, plumbing fixtures, mm-hmm. the actual okay. plumbing fixtures to be able to switch that around. And you can certainly paint the vanity cabinet. Well, you know, Chris, you and I have dealt with this where we've had our interior decorating team where we have the all pink or all blue bathroom that's in the house in the 1950s built home. And then they come in or, you know, whatever sure. year. And then you can come in there with some paint and some, and that tile still sits perfect. I mean, it does. I don't know what they did different back then, but boy, that stuff is built to last. It's why solid. It, yeah, why rip it out? We've I mean, have some and, fun with redecorating around it. And sure. when you talk about that whole blue, you know, what we've done mm-hmm. is kept the blues on the sides, you know, because mm-hmm. they did all around the, on the walls, and then just put new white tile on the floor. Yep. And then it really shows. Well, the blues you know. and the pinks seem to work and yellows, you know, but then there were some of these avocado greens, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. I mean, some of those I can't swallow, but. But yeah. some cases, if the house is old, you know, yeah. Art Deco kind, that would fit perfectly. Well, if, if you're like my grandpa, you're getting your money's worth. You're going <laughs> to use that thing till it's it's done. You know what I mean? So. All right. Well, you know what? We're just about out of time. Let's uh, let's tell the folks how to get in touch with uh, each each of you, if you would. 
Yeah, I mean, you can reach me by phone, 952-226, then it's 6699, or chrisrooney.com. And, you know, uh, prasky.com, so it's P-R-A-S-K-Y.com. And then anybody that wants to take me up on that reviewing the iBuyers offers, I think that's I'd a love great to help idea. them. I, you know, I just, I, I'm an underdog recruit, you know, kind of guy. I want to help those guys out. 763-433-0850 or andy at prasky.com is my email. You think anybody will start doing a little investigation on that? I that hope issue? so. You know, I might uh, I might turn some of these local reporters onto it and just see who's being honest and who's not because I think there's a there's a big story there to be unveiled. unveiled. Let us know if you hear any more. All right, thanks, guys. We're going to be back uh, next week. Hope you are, too, with more of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.